0: Good morning. At this time, uh, elementary kids, you can head to the foyer uh, for your time with Mr. David in the treehouse. The Sermon on the Mount starts in this way. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And remembering this, as you go out into the world, no one lights a lamp. You're a city set on a hill. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot from the law will pass away until all is accomplished. Be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have have sworn. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone would slap you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go with him one mile, go with him two miles. Do not refuse the one who would beg from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing the others? Other than, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness in front of other people in order to be seen by them. And your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray at the street corners and in the synagogues that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be in secret, and your heavenly Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful for these words of yours that remind us of who we were really called to be. We're pulled in so many directions. Our, our hearts are divided. But you point us to the way of truth. The way of life. And your word says the truth will set us free. So may these words in this sermon. This sermon on the mount. May these words. May they not become cliche. May they not become just. You know. Parts of an important sermon. But may they become our way of life, our way of being, not just in our heads, but in our hearts so that we may honor you, so that we may walk in the way of Jesus, the way of peace in life. Bless this time in your word, we pray. Amen. Amen. And I wanted to start that way, not to impress you, but to inspire you, to inspire you, because this is the greatest sermon of all time. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. And I believe as Christians, Jesus wants us to know it and live it. And so I want to encourage you because, you know, I want to pick some friendly fun at at Pastor Chris. This sermon series is taking a long time, isn't it? Our sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. But it's awesome because that's the, that's how we do preaching here at Meadowbrook. We do expositional preaching, verse by verse, book by book. And we're going through this Sermon on the Mount. And Here's the thing, we're going so slow through it, you could memorize it yourself, you could memorize it, you could memorize it. That's what Pastor Chris and I have done, we are memorizing this together for some friendly accountability and competition. And so, find a friend and maybe memorize this, again, not to hide it just in your head, not to impress others, but to hide it in your heart so that it might change the way you live. I wanted to encourage you guys with that as we continue through this series. But I also want to uh point out an obvious irony. An obvious irony. I had to. Uh, our, our text today comes from Matthew 6, the section about fasting. And before we dig into those texts, I want to point out the main idea of this section. This section is part of a larger section that starts in Matthew 6.1. And here is what Jesus says in Matthew 6.1. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven then Jesus gives applications to this warning for when you give to the needy for when you pray and when you fast and this can this warning of Matthew 6-1 can be applied to anything good that you plan on doing any righteous action you plan on on doing and here's where the irony comes in because it's probably also a warning to a guy like me who wants to memorize and quote passages of Scripture in front of people. Okay? And I needed that warning this week. And I don't know where you're at, but we all need this warning from Jesus in Matthew 6.1. Because we're all tempted to be like the hypocrites. And do good things for not the good reasons. Like uh, giving holiday gifts. Are we doing it truly to express our love of the other person or underneath the surface do we have hidden motives to impress them with our thoughtfulness or just to check them off the list so it's one less thing we have to worry about or just to avoid the negative relational consequences of not giving them a gift. So I don't want to hit too close to home, but that's just one relevant example of how this passage of scripture addresses something that we all deal with in our human experience. When you do good, Jesus wants you to do good from a right heart for the right reasons. That's the main idea of this passage of scripture. Our text today applies this issue to the spiritual discipline of fasting. Okay, Fasting, a definition of fasting uh, is giving up something, traditionally food to express devotion or dependence on God. So you're going to miss some meals. You're going to give up your daily portion of food to express your devotion and dependence on God. So let's read these verses uh, together again. This is in page 787 in your pew Bible. And if you're able, in honor of God's word, let's stand and read them together. Matthew six sixteen through 18. Okay, and now we're going to go through kind of the sermon guide a little bit. The big idea, and this is pretty straightforward, when you fast, fast for the Father. When you fast, fast for the Father. Let's start with that first part, when you fast. That's just like what Jesus said earlier about when you give to the needy or when you pray. And this implies for us that this is something Jesus Followers, This is something that Christians are expected to do. This is just a normal part of the life of a Jesus follower is fasting. And uh, I want to point you to, as you're in your bulletin right now, Matthew 9 is the family devotion text this week. And that's also an important text where Jesus implies that his followers should fast. Now that he has died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, now that he's gone and we'll wait for his second coming, we should be fasting. So I encourage you to read that with your family this week and talk about it. But again, Jesus wants us to fast, but not just to do it, but to do it the right way and with the right heart, with the right motivations. Okay, so here's how he says we should fast. When you fast, don't fast to impress others. This is obvious from the text. The hypocrites were looking gloomy and disfiguring their faces, so people probably ask them, like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, I'm I'm fasting, I'm so spiritual, I'm so pious. They're obviously doing it to impress others with their piety, with their righteousness. And Jesus is saying, when you fast, or when you're doing something good, like praying or giving to the needy, don't do it to impress other people. Come on. So he's saying, don't do it to impress others. The second thing he's saying, and this is implicit from the text, don't fast for yourself. Don't do it for your own benefit. And I think this is relevant for today because most of us, if we've heard about fasting or if there's people on our social media feeds that are talking about fasting, they're talking about the fad diet of intermittent fasting. And again, I think there probably is a bunch of physical benefits to that diet plan. However, when you fast the way Jesus is talking about fasting and the way Jesus expects his followers to fast, it shouldn't be for a diet. That's obvious from the text. He's saying we should do it as an act for the Father. Fasting to get to get His eye. To fast and pray. To fast as we're seeking reward and blessing from Him. Not to fast for our own weight loss goals. Again, that could be great and noble. I'm not saying that's bad. But I'm just saying the Christian fasting should be done with spiritual motivations. So don't fast to impress others. Don't fast for yourself. And thirdly... Fast modestly to express heart devotion to God. He says, when you fast, look normal. Anoint your head. Wash your face. Look like you took a shower. Don't be walking around in sackcloth and ashes. Look normal and just know in your heart, I'm doing this to express devotion to God. And so that's that's what Jesus is saying in this text. Now some applications for us. I want you to think about, pray about you and your family adding godly fasting to your spiritual workout routine. Add godly fasting to your spiritual workout routine. Maybe again, as you do the family devotional this week, maybe pick one meal. I know it's the holiday season, but maybe just pick one meal where you and your family, and maybe you don't have to go cold turkey and not eat at all. Maybe get some apple juice, some orange juice. I don't want anybody to pass out. Uh, but just take that meal and set aside and we're going to maybe fast and instead of eating during this block of time we're going to pray or we're going to sing a song like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which was sung by the Israelites wanting their Messiah to come. And now we as Christians sing it, wanting Jesus to come again and make all things new. So pray and fast with that longing in your heart. I remember uh, the most intense fast I've ever done was actually about 10 years ago. Uh, and I had a big decision to make. I, had a, I was choosing between... Uh, whether or not I wanted to go in the IM, with the IMB as a journeyman missionary or I wanted to keep dating my girlfriend. It was kind of a fork in the road. They said, hey, you can keep dating your girlfriend or you can uh, keep going with journeyman because it's just uh, an intense missionary program. And I remember I... I fasted and i prayed for three days and ultimately i felt god leading me to the decision of hey this relationship is serious with this with this woman and you should you know stay in this relationship and maybe god will call you to something else down the road and that woman is now my wife we have three beautiful children so i think god honored that fast and that devotion and that prayer and so again you never know what god is going to do as you take this step of faith and your step of faith intersects with his faithfulness and god does something awesome in your life so i want to encourage you in this spiritual discipline In your last blank there fasting helps you experience deeper spiritual growth and power in christ pastor john piper says that fasting is a physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence i need you Fasting is an exclamation point at the end of that sentence. Fasting puts our stomach where you want your heart to be. Fasting puts your stomach where you want your heart to be. It expresses to God, God, I love you more than food. God, I need you more than food. God, you are more important to me than food. It's an act of worship. God has to design where this physical act is a means Of spiritual power. And again as we close this sermon today. In the Sermon on the Mount. I'm reminded of one who also fasted. Of one who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It says without not only without food but without water. And then he was tempted as Adam and Eve were. In that first temptation in the Garden of Eden. And yet he did not give in to temptation. He fulfilled all righteousness and He did it for you and He did it for me in His fasting, in His miracles, in His teaching. And then even though He'd lived this righteous life, even though He'd come down from heaven in a lonely manger like we remember at Christmas time, He came to do it so that He could be a substitutionary sacrifice in our place. He fulfilled all righteousness so that now when we look back at the cross where Jesus Christ died for our sins he died in your place in my place and the so that the worst about us our non-fasting our fasting for the wrong reasons our giving for the wrong reasons our sins our struggles our temptations all that was not was taken off of us placed on jesus he paid for it so now the best parts about jesus his righteousness could be put on us This is the good news of the gospel because not only did Jesus die, he rose and is alive today. We await his second coming, but I pray that if you haven't heard this good news, or maybe this is the millionth time you've heard it, but you've never responded to it, I pray that you would respond to the good news of Jesus who came at Christmas and he lived in your place. He died in your place. He rose in your place and is alive now as king over all, and he wants to have a relationship with you. If you have questions about how you can start that relationship, I would love to talk to you. Someone else here, just just ask me. I'd love to chat with you about how you can have this relationship. Or maybe you've been struggling in your faith. Christmas time, this is a great time for us to, amidst all the distractions, for us to focus our hearts on what really matters. What really is important. And maybe you can focus on that relationship with God this week maybe you can miss a meal this week and just say I'm going to spend some one on one time with God I need to slow down just for a meal time this week and spend some time with God I pray that you would do that but wherever you're at this morning we would love to help you take that next step of faith so that you can grow in Christ let's all continue to follow Jesus and as we do good let's do good for the right reasons as we fast let's fast for the better reward of fasting for our Heavenly Father Amen Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful. Again, there's, there's times I've got it right, and those times I've got it right, it's all of you. It's all of me depending on you, and you're guiding me in the, in the right ways. But a lot of times, Jesus, I don't get it right. And I know we all struggle in different ways, and that's where we're so thankful for the hope that we have in you for the forgiveness that you give, for the hope that we remember at Christmas time and all throughout the year of Jesus in our place, the good news of the gospel, that no matter what our sins and failures and struggles are, we can have hope beyond this, this broken, messy world. We look to you. We trust in you. I pray for somebody today struggling in their faith, somebody maybe wrestling with a big decision. I pray that you would guide them, help them take that next step of faith in you. God, we thank you for all that you offer us in Jesus' name. Amen.